0: This is Celebration Church. But it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. This is. Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joining with us over in Appleton, the Fox Valley, and Stevens Point. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. Again, good morning to our campuses over in the Fox Valley and Stevens Point. And to those of you still at home and uh, worshiping online with us and those who watch all over the world, it's really fascinating to watch some of the statistics, who join with us on Sunday morning. Um, this is a Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial, although it's really pretty kind of official, beginning of summer <laughs> for us, particularly here in Wisconsin. So praise God, summer is finally upon us. Hallelujah. Last year was on a Thursday. Hopefully we get more of it this year and uh, have lots of uh, nice warm weather. It's been a very nice spring, huh? This is the nicest spring I ever remember, and I was born in the 1800s. Man, this is amazing. It has been so nice. I do hope it continues into the summer. Yes, Lord, be merciful. Amen. So anyway, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, tomorrow is uh, Memorial Day when we do remember those who uh, served our country and gave the ultimate sacrifice um, in uh, giving of their lives fighting for what they believed in, for the liberty of others. It's a wonderful, amazing thing that they do. Uh, But we also want to thank those who've just served at all for uh, uh, protecting our country. In fact, if you are a veteran of any branch, Marines, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, am I leaving anybody else? Uh, Would you stand at our campuses, wherever, everybody that's uh, (laughs) veterans, give them a hand. Amen, God bless them. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Fabulous. You may be seated. Uh, Deanna's son, actually, uh, just signed up for the Coast Guard. He's going in, uh, I think, in August, whatever, yeah. So. <clears throat> and uh, his cousin just signed up for the Air Force. So, yeah, it's good. Young men and women growing up and uh, serving their country. We're excited about it. Uh, before we go any further, we want to uh, pause to take our offering Uh, For those uh, who want to give a gift of cash or check, you can do it on the way out uh, this morning from the campuses. There'll be somebody with buckets and stuff at the door, and you can give in that way. Many people give online, have signed up for recurrent giving. And then the rest of us give via text, which seems to get more and more complicated. (laughs) But uh, if you have your phone and you give by text, you can grab your phone right now and type in this number, Seven seven nine seven seven. That's the number. And in the text message, you are going to type CCWI, stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin. Then the dollar amount. And then whatever campus you're in. In our case, it's GBC. Is it on the thing yet? Yeah. I asked last week to get it on there. You see what power and authority I have here. (laughs) So maybe we can do that next week. GBC for Green Bay, Stevens Point is S-P-C, and Fox Valley is F-V-C. Say it out loud, figure it out. (laughs) Fox Valley campus, Stevens Point campus, Green Bay campus, all right, great. And then just sends, boom, you send, and then automatically, boom. Our gifts are in, into the, offering. That's a great thing. So uh, continue to give, be as gracious and uh, generous as you can. God blesses those who are generous to others. And our church has been very blessed uh, and we're doing very, very well. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Um, this morning, uh, I want to read to you from uh, our readings gonna be from the gospel of John, the third chapter. And a Jesus is speaking to a guy by the name of Nicodemus. He comes, he wants to find out more about Jesus. He comes at night because he doesn't really want anybody to see that he's coming. Because, you know, there's a lot of negative from the religious community concerning Jesus. So he sneaks in at night and uh, he starts asking Jesus about all these things. And Jesus this is where Jesus tells... Uh, Nicodemus and all of us that uh, we need to be born again, spiritually reborn. Nicodemus doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and Jesus tries to explain it a bit to him. And we read it here in John, the third chapter, starting in verse 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. Now, today on the Christian calendar, it's, uh, this is called a Trinity Sunday. And Christians all over the world are going to be talking about the Trinity. We'll be talking about it in passing. I'm not going to even begin to try and explain it. <laughs> How do you explain things that are inexplicable? Uh, as we have one God but in three persons father son holy spirit the best analogy in the world in which we live that i use is the analogy of water ice and steam water is made up of one thing and one thing only h2o get it cold enough and we all know what that feels like around here it turns to ice hard enough you can drive semi trucks on the on the ponds around here uh, out on the bay uh, because it becomes very hard very cold but it's still just one thing, H2O. And if you heat it up enough, it evaporates, turns into steam, goes up into the sky, but it's still made of just one thing and one thing only, H2O, but three dramatic different presentations. Uh, Now, I was reading from some some theologian this last week and he was going off on why he thought that was a terrible analogy. Of course, he never gave us an analogy. (laughs) But uh, I don't know, these theologians, man, they think way too hard. Seriously, I would have, I get a headache just getting around those people. But anyway, that's the best analogy I have. But the reality is, if you can truly explain God, then you're probably a little delusional. I mean, how do you explain that? I mean, there's, not, there's some things you just can't explain, which is kind of the point of my message today. I'm, it's entitled, Embrace the Mystery, the Mystery of Faith. Now, it's interesting when we talk about uh, Trinity Sunday, uh, we are what is called a convergent church. There's three main streams of Christianity in the world. There's the liturgical stream, there's the uh, evangelical Bible church stream, and then there's the charismatic Pentecostal stream. Uh, And then there are churches like ours, and they're popping up all over the country. It's fascinating to watch. Uh, And we've been connected with people. Uh, some of these guys are going to come this summer and uh, visit our church and going to speak. You get a chance to meet them. And these are people who just it, like us. We just started doing this and nobody knows why, except that we just think it's God at work in some of these, in, in these churches where we're blending, trying to blend all three of them together, take the best of the three and trying to filter out the worst of the three and be more open and inclusive in different forms of worship. That's why here at Celebration Church, we are uh, very Bible oriented. Uh, we uh, do uh, very traditional things as well the Lord's Prayer, Apostles' Creed, communion, things like that. Uh, and then uh, also charismatic as well. Uh, uh, and we were thinking about this week, I was talking to Bishop Sean. It's interesting, liturgical churches tend to emphasize the relationship with the Father. If you've ever been to a liturgical church, this is where they pray, Oh, thou most omnipotent, powerful Father in heaven. And they got some great, Verbiage that they use, talking about God the Father. Uh, Liturgical or evangelical churches tend to emphasize Jesus, the Son. Everything's about Jesus. And if you didn't know better, you wouldn't know there was a Father <laughs> in a lot of them because all they talk about is Jesus. Uh, and then, of course, charismatic churches love to emphasize the Spirit. All right? Uh, but we're trying to emphasize all of them together. Now, last Sunday, talking about the Spirit was Pentecost Sunday. And we had probably the most amazing weekend of services we have ever had, Uh, not just in Celebration Church, but speaking personally, in my life. I've never had anything quite as dramatic as that. 440 people came forward to have their hands, uh, someone lay their hands on and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And it was rather dramatic. And this place is, you know, uh, obviously, Green Bay, the bigger group, but it was just lit up. Uh, And we had a great time in... uh, Uh, Steve's Point as well. The guys in Appleton or Fox Valley came up, and they were part of the Green Bay Experience. But it was amazing, truly stunning. Uh, And Bishop Sean went and just laid his hands and prayed just to receive the Holy Spirit. The point of it is to receive the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. I asked Jesus in my heart. Well, according to the New Testament teaching, there were three distinct things that people did. One was to believe in Jesus and to be saved. The second was to be baptized. And the third, a third separate experience, is for someone to lay hands on them, although sometimes it happens spontaneously, but to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit, and basically challenge people, if you've never had anyone do that for you, you need, you need to come. I expected 40, 50 people, to be honest with you, and I thought that would be a major win, and it would have been. 440 was not on my radar. And it was, uh, it was a long service, <laughs> but hardly anybody laughed. Those of you here know what I'm talking about. It was amazing. It was stunning. Uh, many people spoke in tongues for the first time in their lives, uh, and the, the energy was just off the charts uh, in here. Uh, some who did not right away will a little bit later. And by the way, if you have a story uh, that uh, you think I'd love to hear, I would love to hear about uh, your experience uh, from all of this, some people, you know, I've had stories where people say, you know, nothing happened when I prayed, but then a week and a half later, I woke up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues, and it was just amazing. It was just God was everywhere. Uh, Others will have other spiritual expressions. If you all of a sudden start noticing things that are different in your life as a result of this, uh, let us know. And remember, we didn't pray to speak in tongues. We didn't pray to have any other spiritual gifts. We prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. But then whenever the Holy Spirit would fall in the New Testament, there was some example. Something happened, and that's what we're encouraging people to uh, experience that. Now, I'd I'd like to speak to those of you who did get prayed for and who did not feel anything or experience anything, at least at this point, okay? And again, we didn't ask God for any signs. We just asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, But what about those who didn't seem to experience much of anything? Now, there's... a I have a secular reason, and then I have some more church reasons. We'll spend most of our time talking about some of the church religious reasons why some people struggle with the miraculous. But in our secular, we live in a very secular culture, Western culture. We believe there's a scientific explanation for everything, right? That's just the way that our brains are wired. There has to be an explanation to everything. Uh, and if they can't figure out an explanation, um, you know, it'll eventually get there. But the faith in science is pretty intense uh, in Western culture. But even science, I mean, they, they, they don't have the answer to everything. If you haven't been paying attention to this pandemic, uh, you, if you have been paying attention, you, you get a sense that, yeah, they don't really know <laughs> exactly what's going on. And people are shocked that they don't know because they have to know everything, right? Well, sometimes you just don't know everything. You know, you got to wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. You should put a plastic bag on your head. I mean, whatever, everybody's into this different things and they're jumping all over the place and the rules keep changing every other minute. (sighs) It's exhausting. Uh, So science doesn't always have the answer. Uh, It tries to give an answer to everything, but it's hard to break away from it. It's just the culture in which we live. We are Americans and this is the world that we live in. Uh, You know, if someone dropped dead this morning, uh, we'll put our security guy here on the front row, and we'll kill him. He'll fall over dead. And, uh, and uh, three doctors and two nurses came over and checked him and said, he's dead. He's dead. Everybody's freaking out. And if I came down and prayed for him and all of a sudden he sat up, most of you would walk out of here thinking, I probably had gas or something. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? You know it. You know it. All of us would think it, he probably wasn't really dead. He probably, who knows what it was, but it was probably something. Because we think it's got to be explained. Everything has to be explained. As a result, it keeps us And we start filtering out the supernatural because there's natural and then there's supernatural, which can't be explained. So there's that problem and why some people struggle with any kind of miraculous things in their life. But then I'll talk about some of the religious reasons why many people struggle with the miraculous. Now, what I'm about to say uh, is based on generalities. And the thing on generalities is they're generally true, but they're not always true. There's always exceptions to these things, but generally speaking, I want to talk about that a little bit. So here's my observation from uh, doing this for many years, and even my observation of last weekend, and that is this. It seems like those from liturgical backgrounds seem to experience the supernatural rather easily, which is kind of interesting considering how strict and rigid the liturgical world can be. But part of this is due to the fact that the liturgical world does like to emphasize mysteries about God and about the sacraments. They believe that when, when you're baptized, God does something. When you take communion, God does something. Something miraculous happens. And stuff that can't always be explained. And I love the thing about a liturgical church, they don't try to explain everything. <laughs> You know, the Bible says, uh, uh, you know, Paul, when he writes about communion, said that we are partaking of the body and the blood of Christ. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And how do you explain these things? Well, they don't try to explain it. They just say that's what it is, which is, I think, that's the way we should approach it, right? Just, it's called faith. Everybody say faith. faith. You can't always figure everything out. These are some mysteries. So they're very much into the mystery part of faith. So that when a lot of these people come later in life and they, 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 uh, in fact, there's huge charismatic movements in Catholic churches and Lutheran churches. I mean, it's really rather, uh, if you're uh, curious of the time, just go on YouTube and type in charismatic Catholics and you'll see the, man, it sounds just like this place. (laughs) They are singing. It's not your typical service, I mean. They're worshiping God. People are speaking in tongues, and it's, it's all orderly. It's not crazy, psycho, or anything. But it's like they seem to easily embrace this because of growing up in this environment of we can't and we don't even try to explain everything, all right? Now, compare some of that to typical evangelical or charismatic positions on sacraments. They don't want to think that God really does much of anything. It's just the truth. In fact, by their own words, they'll say, well, baptism is just an outward sign of an inward work. How many of you from those worlds remember that phrase? That, they always and, and the same with communion. Well, it's just something that we do because we're supposed to do it. And they, on average, do it once a month, whether they want to or not. And they don't really even want to do it. I know I've been in these churches <laughs> all my life. And uh, but they do it because they know they're supposed to do it. And, uh, and it's not really anything particularly special. It's just, you know, let's just re- be reverence for, for a while. And, uh, but there's something that really happens when you take communion. In fact, Paul warns that if you do it in a wrong way, you'll get uh, judgment on you. Well, if you're doing it the wrong way and you receive judgment, clearly, if you're doing it the right way, you're receiving a blessing. What kind of blessing? I don't know. What happens when you take it? I don't know. Is it literally the body? Oh, I don't know. Quit asking questions. Just have some faith. Embrace the mystery. Uh, so we see that big contrast there. Uh, obviously, those from charismatic or Pentecostal backgrounds have an easier time experiencing the supernatural since the working of the Holy Spirit is emphasized in these churches. So you've got the liturgical guys, you've got the uh, uh, charismatic guys, and then you get to that third stream, which is actually the largest stream in America. There are more evangelical uh, churches than there are of anything in the United States. And uh, my observation, people that come from these backgrounds tend to struggle the most when it comes to experiencing the supernatural. And if that describes you this morning, whether you're watching at home or you know, wherever you're at, And you're wondering, gee, how come I I didn't really experience much when we prayed? Or why don't I see much miracles in my life? Uh, Let me try and explain a little bit why from that worldview, Christian worldview, they tend to struggle so much. Number one, evangelicals tend to want to be able to explain everything. Now, this is both their greatest strength and their greatest weaknesses. And how many of you know sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. It really is. It happens a lot. Uh, one of my greatest strengths in my life is I'm able to get up in front of thousands of people. And the bigger the crowd, the more relaxed I am, the better I get. <laughs> my largest group was like 13,000. And I felt so at home. It was quite wonderful. And, uh, uh, and I'd, although in that large group, there were different languages being translated at the same time. It was really odd. Because if I'd say something funny, everybody in English would laugh right away. And then the next language, they'd laugh. And the, next, and the Spanish, would always takes them the longest to say anything. So there was the last people laughing. So they're going, ha, 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 way in the back. And you know, I was like, it was really weird uh, as they're translating this stuff. But I, I love being in front of people. And I am more comfortable right now than virtually any other time of the week in my life. It's just I, for some reason, I thrive on it. Uh, which is very odd, and I am odd. People say their greatest fear, according to studies, is to speak in front of a crowd. They say they fear it more than death, which I suppose the worst thing would be having to give a speech at your own execution. <laughs> be a horrible, horrible day. And if it's being translated, the Spanish people just heard that joke, okay? So, uh, so I mean, it's, you know, so it's that's a, my greatest strength. It's also my greatest weakness. Because, but I'm doing better. By the time I'm 90, I'll probably have, like, hang on it, you know. But uh, that I tend to be too intense one-on-one. Right? Because there's a certain energy when you talk to a crowd, you know. That's what keeps people engaged. And you're able to communicate thoughts. But when you're the only one there and I'm going, la, 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 it's a little intense. All right, And I've had people say, oh, he just, he's, he can be so mean. I'm not being mean. It's just the way I am, okay? And I have a hard time shutting off. So our strengths sometimes become our greatest weakness. One of the great strengths of uh, uh, Bible-based churches is they love to explain everything. They're great Bible teachers. Some of the best Bible study materials you'll ever find anywhere come from that world. Uh, and they're very great. But sometimes it becomes their great Weakness, because they try to explain everything. But like I said earlier, you, if you think you can explain everything about God, you're a little bit delusional. And I remember when I was first doing uh, uh, pastoral studies back in my early 20s or whatever, um, uh, even though I was from a charismatic background, much of the teachings came from uh, evangelical guys because they're so strong in Bible teaching. But I noticed something. They were always trying to explain everything and try to even explain miracles. Uh, flies flying around here, what's going on? Uh, so, sorry, so, so anyway, we're, I'm reading about Joe, uh, not Joe, what's his name, uh, Jonah, who got swallowed by the whale. And I remember this, I'm reading this, and this guy's brilliant, but then he starts going into explanation of how that could actually happen. And that sometimes there are big fishes they can swallow people, and there was a record of someone back in 1823 that got swallowed by a, a fish and got spit out. And I'm going, what? I mean, how about just God did something? How about God did something rather miraculous? And whether or not somebody was swallowed by fish and spit out right away, I'm pretty sure he wasn't in there for three days. And then showed up where he's supposed to be in the first place. You know, God. And I'm thinking, why are they doing that? And they were explaining, you know, how some of these miracles that Moses did, how they could have actually occurred. I think, what are they doing? You know, and, and when Jesus came to the little girl and, and, uh, who had died and wanted to, and he said, look, she's not dead. She's sleeping. I remember they made fun of him. The people were all freaked out. And then trying, trying to explain, well, maybe she actually was like in a coma. Uh, maybe she was really deep sleep that they didn't know it, and Jesus, you know, and I, what? Actually, I had someone just recently—I don't know if you're here—sent uh, me a question asking about that. Was she really asleep? My answer was, hello. <laughs> well, I, I think the point is something miraculous happened. Everybody thought she was dead. Oh, was she? Oh, maybe she really was sleeping. So just this thing, and I, I just don't understand it, except that they love to try and explain everything. And it's their great strength and there's much blessings from it. But the problem is they try to explain everything They start to take away the mystery. They start, there's not much mystery to embrace. And I think it's a mistake. I think we need to live in the kind of world where God does something and we don't know why. And prayers get answered. how that happened? I don't know. God did it. How he did it? I don't care. Right? For example, I'm a pilot. When I fly an airplane, I don't really know what's going on up front. <laughs> you, you think regular planes, John, are bad? Try flying a, a jet-powered one. They explain it to you in class. Of oh, this happens and this is a sucks in and the gases. I don't know what they're talking about. I just know when I push the right buttons, it flies. All right? <laughs> That's all I want to know. Okay? I don't get how something sucks into one thing into another and creates all this power. I don't know why my car runs, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, you know, and if you push the button, well, you used to have keys, I don't have keys now, and you push a button, if it doesn't go, I'm really confused. <laughs> so, what happened? <laughs> Where, where's, oh, I don't have the dingly dangly thing, which is here. And, uh, and sometimes a battery goes out, and that's really confusing because this is here, and it still doesn't start. I don't know. I don't understand these things. I don't think you have to live in a world where you have to understand everything. So I would challenge, as much as they teach and you want to learn about the Bible, understand there is a mystery part of it that we need to embrace. And then secondly, many of these evangelical slash Bible churches, uh, although much less today than when I was growing up, have directly taught against any spiritual gifts. They literally preach this should not be happening, and some have gone as far as to say speaking in tongues or miracles stuff is of the devil, which is really a dangerous position to be taken. Jesus warned the Pharisees because they were saying the same thing about Jesus. Ah, it's just he's doing it by the power of the devil. He said, ha, 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 ha Watch it. Because God's will forgive any sins, but not sins against the Holy Spirit, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So it's a dangerous position. But if you've heard this all your life, uh, I get it. And if you struggle, fine. Then just take your time and struggle along. If it takes a long time for you to start experiencing anything of the miraculous, it's fine. There's no way you can just wash that away. That's the point of it. If you've been in those kind of environments for 30 years and you come to a church like ours, also we start talking about the spirit of God and miracles, you're probably going to struggle a lot. You just don't erase 30 years of teaching that this isn't supposed to happen. Uh, even though in your heart and your mind are thinking, yeah, it should happen and you know, I want it to happen, you'll probably struggle. And it's fine, it's fine to struggle. You don't have to figure everything out uh, all the time. You know, even some of these evangelical, I mean, God bless them, you know. Now, uh, they were against healing, And by the way, the next big service we're working on a date now that we're going to have is a healing service where people who are sick and sick and tired of being sick and tired are going to come and we are going to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, oil, and expect God to heal you. So how does that happen? I don't know. That's the point. It's a miracle. God does it. Will it happen for everyone? I don't know. Why does it happen for some and not others? I don't know. It's just, it's God doing his thing. And then I've heard evangelicals who say, no, no, you're healing, you should never heal. If you're sick, it's the will of God that you're sick. Which is really odd because these same people go to doctors trying to get well. So let me get this. You're trying to go to a doctor to get out of the will of God. If being sick is the will of God, we should pray for you that you get even sicker so you can be more in the will of God. It's absurd. But for some reason, because they can't explain it, they will take some of these extreme positions. Anyway, so if you've been taught that you have to be able to explain everything or worse, spiritual expressions are unbiblical or even evil, uh, it's a culture that's uh, very resistant to faith. But here's my encouragement to you. Start embracing the mystery of faith. And to all of us, I don't care what background you came from and just trying to overcome, trying to figure everything out all the time. Learn and practice embracing faith. The supernatural. Embrace the mystery. Just take something you don't know and just hide it <laughs> and embrace it. does it happen? I don't know. I mean, even salvation itself, if you stop and think about it, what? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And if we believe in him, we'll be saved. He'll take away all our sins. How does that happen? I don't know. Quit trying to figure out every little thing. And embrace the mystery of faith. We're about to take communion together. Embrace the mystery of that. We are connecting with God. We're remembering Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, partaking of his body and his blood as believers. Can you explain it? No, you don't have to explain everything. In fact, there is a great joyous experience of embracing mystery. Good preaching, Pastor Mark. Thank you very much. All right. He's shameless. All right. So, anyway, um, look what Jesus said. We read this in the beginning. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So, is everyone born of the Spirit. That's the spiritual experience. What he's trying to say is there's mystery to it. There's mystery to it. And, you know, Nicodemus was having a hard time. Jesus said, you have to be born again. He says, well, how do I climb back in there and do that again? Which is a gross thing to say, but that's what, literally what he says. And Jesus said, hello. You don't understand and you can't understand everything and not everything has to be explained. It's the wind blowing, the wind of God. You can't always tell what direction it's come from or even where it's going. There's a mystery to it, but something that should be embraced. All right, so this morning now we're going to turn to our time of communion where we're going to celebrate this mystery. And I was uh, quoted earlier to you, uh, this is what the Apostle Paul said about it. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. So how does that work? I don't know. But he says, examine yourselves. And then only eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves, which you don't want to do. So what we do before we take communion, we just take a moment and we're going to examine ourselves. Let's all bow our heads. And I'm going to pray just a general prayer of forgiveness over all of us this morning. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. Father, if we've sinned against you in any way, something we did, something that we should have done and we didn't do, uh, thoughts, words, deeds, whatever. And, And if anything comes to your mind and the Holy Spirit's reminding you something you said or did this last week you shouldn't, now just ask him to forgive you. Just confess it to God. Father, we pray that you would cover us with your grace, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would forgive us of all of our sins and keep us in eternal life that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And while people's heads are bowed, maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced Jesus in your life, ever, in the first place. Um, You know, now is the time. Just ask him to come into your life. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And if you'll do a prayer like that, very simply, talking to God, you can start your first steps of faith this morning, and you can start to experience this wonderful mystery that we've been talking about. Amen.